Welcome to the Fordham IPLJ podcast with your online editor, Anthony Zangrillo. This week, I am joined by special guest Sky M. Moore, a partner in the corporate entertainment department of Strook, practicing entertainment, corporate, and tax law. Mr. Moore has been practicing in the entertainment industry since 1981 and represents a broad spectrum of clients throughout the entertainment industry, including producers, sales agents, foreign distributors, and financiers, and has handled some of the largest financing transactions in Hollywood. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Anthony. This week, we're talking about the erosion of China Hollywood movie financing deals. Earlier in March, Eldridge Industries, which owns TV unit Dick Clark Productions, terminated the $1 billion sale agreement with Dylan Wanda Group. This deal was decided upon in November, but Wanda had only paid $25 million of this purchase price. Additionally, Paramount's deal with Huawei Media and Shanghai Film Group is floundering because Paramount hasn't seen a cent of the promised $1 billion. Sky, do you have a reaction to these developments? Well, I can tell you what's driving it and what's really happened, and I, I've had this now in a number of deals because I represent a number of Chinese companies, is that the Chinese government has now done a blanket prohibition on transfers of money out of China for Hollywood deals. So that's, that, that's what's causing the problem. And is there a reason for this? There's several reasons for it. One, one reason is that China wants to preserve the value of its currency and actually wants to strengthen its currency. And although economically that actually hurts China because it makes Chinese goods more expensive, it's, it's almost viewed as a cosmetic or political issue that is, the, the wording is you, your currency strengthens or it weakens and, and people, countries don't like to be told that their currency is weakening because it sounds like the country is weakening. So mm-hmm. that, that's actually one, one issue that's going on is that they, there was a lot of outflow of currency that was uh, weakening the renminbi and they want to strengthen it. So that's issue one. Issue two is there was a perception that Chinese companies were overpaying for Hollywood assets. And the Chinese government, keep in mind, is a very active uh, part. They, it's not, they have not completely embraced free, free capitalism and let the market decide. They very much have somewhat of a parental attitude and want to oversee what's happening. And there was a, definitely a perception, particularly in light of the Wanda legendary transaction, which was a three and a half billion dollar acquisition that promptly ran into problems to the point that they, they terminated the CEO of, of Legendary and they probably realized they wildly overpaid. Um, so there was a perception that they were overpaying for Hollywood and, and they, often it was with the goal of taking it public on the Chinese exchange in Shanghai and Shenzhen at wild multiples and the Chinese government felt that that wasn't justified. So they were trying to they also stopped Chinese companies from going public in China if they weren't true film companies because there was just this uh, wild, wild multiples getting as high as 100 times earnings, even even 1,000 times earnings in some cases. And, and Chinese government was not happy with that because they just felt that it was a bubble and um, the companies were taking advantage of the, of the public and the, and the Chinese government frowned on that. So that was the second influence. And the third influence is the whole Trump China bashing and 
kindness to some extent flexing its muscle and saying, oh yeah. <laughs> and so, um, it'll, to some extent, the outcome may depend on the outcome of the talks between China and Trump on trade. And um, so it's, it's really a confluence of factors. Uh, last issue is interesting because wasn't it, I know it was making the news that China just approved a lot of trademarks related to Trump in the in China. Seems interesting that they would do something like that and then maybe now this is like a backlash to certain things he's been saying. Well, it's, you know, it's just whole general theme, right? Of, um, you, know, he, you know, he keeps calling it current currency manipulator and unfair trade and on and on. And so China's, um, they can exert power. You know, they've, they've They've been funding Hollywood for three years, and so they can. That's one factor that they can influence. Um, one of the problems from Hollywood's perspective is that Trump doesn't really care a whole lot about Hollywood, yeah. and so so he, he may not be that influenced by that factor. But it is it, it is part of the overall trade negotiation that's going on. So, do you really see it's more of the government that's the problem here, not the film studios? Why these deals are all of a sudden falling through? My, my experience has been that it's the government. I've seen a couple of cases where the it might be cold feet or buyer's remorse, and the government is a good excuse to get out of a deal. But I just had a deal fall apart literally yesterday, and I talked to the client, and I, I am convinced that it was the government. And then I have another client that was, I have another $300 million deal that it is actually a, a state-owned entity. And you would think if anyone can get permission to get money out of China, it would be a state-owned entity. And they are, and but it's a publicly traded state, state-controlled entity. It's a publicly traded company, but state-controlled. And they are deeply concerned that they will not get permission to get, they, they want to get the money out, but they are deeply concerned that the government will block it. So my, in my experience, it's, it's absolutely been the government that's blocking it. And because you were saying the Chinese government has a parental, you know, uh, I guess mindset in blocking some of these yeah. deals. Seems like it's really hurting these companies, though, in the long run, that they don't have, they can't really operate with any sense of, uh, you know, security in making these negotiations. Well, in truth, most films lose money. This is and true. Anyone investing in Hollywood, you know, and everyone investing in Hollywood has lost money for the last thirty years. So, in in truth, they're they're you know, if anyone was going to take an, a pure economic viewpoint, they, you would stop anyone from investing in Hollywood because everyone loses money. I mean, I see it's fascinating. So, if I go back to last year, a movie like Warcraft really needed the Asian market that it, you know, I think it bombed domestically, but it made yeah. so much money overseas that I think they already greenlit a sequel. And when you compare that with something like, you know, the movie that just came out, Great Wall, you know, that had so much controversy around it and it featured Matt Damon, it really didn't do uh, well enough, even in China, to merit making it. Well, it, it actually, it did do very, it, it did pretty well. It did like 175 million box office in China, which was, I mean, th th the truth is it's fantastic other than the cost of the film. That's, see, that's um, the problem though, right? Yeah, the, the problem was the cost of the film. So, and it's, by the way, it's the same with Warcraft. Warcraft, 
it's, it's they've going to have to get the budget down on the sequel as well if, if it's just going to be aimed at the China market. The holy grail that everyone has been attempting to do is a co-production that that works both in inside and outside of China. And the reason why is because if you can do a, co- a an official co-production, you get through the quota in China because there's a quota on the number of films that are permitted to be um, distributed in China. And co-productions are not subject to that quota and they get almost twice the box office the licensors get almost twice the box office whereas on a non-co-production film a u.s film you only get 25 percent of the box on a on a co-production you get they get 42 percent of the box so there's that's why you keep seeing an attempt to do u.s china co-productions the only problem so far nothing has worked that is i did my, my client did Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2. Oh. That worked in China, but not outside. Um, Great Wall and, and Warcraft worked in China, but not outside. So that, that's been the challenge. So I, I don't know if you can answer this question, but what do you think, what type of movie would work in both, both markets? I've got, you know, I've got ideas for films that I think would work. Like one, one for example, that I think would work is is a film about the Doolittle raid on Tokyo during World War II because they they, they, they flew on to China and were saved by saved in China and there was there was at that time mutual um, we were allies with China against Japan so I actually think a, 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 that film might work um, and and there are a number of films that have themes that involve I think I think I, I don't know, I think a, a Marco Polo done right would work. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so I, I think there's, there's some that could work, but boy, it's, it's tricky. It's not easy. So now when uh, movie studios are making these co-production deals, what is the concern of the difference in IP laws between America and China? They're similar in theory, uh, but there, there's d- differences in practice. They do. One one obviously problem is that in China, the first to register the trade name wins, no matter even whether they use it or not. So that's a significant problem. They are they're always running around trademarking names before they've actually used it. So it, U.S. companies, when they walk into China, realize you know find that the, the name is taken. Um, and then the problem is, as a practical matter, there is a lot of piracy in China. That it's it's. Particularly in the in the digital world, the, the, the solution, just as it is in the U.S., by the way, is to have it a, a usable, efficient, cheap digital alternative to piracy. And it, and just as we have provided, you know, Netflix and Amazon and Hulu as an alternative in the U.S. to piracy, mm-hmm. China is getting there, getting there, and that's going to be ultimately the solution to piracy. But it is it is a significant problem. You also have the problem of just enforcing judgments in China is as a practical matter not possible. So you, you have to get jurisdiction outside of China and then you have to find out, figure out how you actually enforce your judgment on, on assets hopefully that are outside of China because it's just not easy. You, you, you're just not going to get it as a practical matter in China. As a final question, what do you see as the current trend that are a lot of movie studios still going to go for this co-production scheme or are they going to be a little bit scared now because of the Chinese government? Uh, I think scared for a number of reasons. Scared because the co-productions haven't worked. Scared because they, they no longer trust the ability to get money out of China. Um, so there's definitely going to be a, a, a slowdown on that.
Okay, thank you for joining me, Sky. My honor, my pleasure. Thank you so much.